What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. For the questions this week, the first is from a mom dealing with some middle of the night issues with toddlers ending up in her bedroom. The second question is from a mom who wants to know what to do when she encounters her kids playing doctor. Now questions around bedtime and nighttime issues are very frequent. I seem to get one around the area of sleep almost once a week. So here's Elizabeth's question about her particular nighttime struggle. Hello, I love your podcast. My kids are three and four, 15 months apart. They go to daycare four days a week just recently. They started daycare at 18 months, two days a week, and slowly worked up to four days. Prior to that, they were with me 24-7, even at work. I never got away, so I had to get a break. Plus, I was pregnant and nursing back to back. I know how that is. Mine are 20 months apart, so yours are even closer. My husband has always been on third shift, so I never got a break or help at night. They can start in bed in their room, but end up with me. I absolutely love it, but my husband is a little annoyed the bed is taken when he gets home. They also like for us to lay down with them at night on the bedroom floor or sleep in my bed with me. Some nights, that is the only time my husband sees them. I go to bed at the same time as my kids, therefore I will pass out with them. I get up at 4 to 5 a.m. to go to the gym, do housework, or work. The first thing they do in the morning is look for me. We always spend time cuddling, but if they wake early and I'm at the gym, they get upset sometimes. They just want to crawl in bed with me, but I'm up and gone. So here's my question. Is there anything wrong with falling asleep with them in their room or our bed? Is there anything wrong with them wanting to sleep with me? How do I get them to stay in their bed? 
How do I handle them being upset when they wake and I'm gone? Or help my husband handle it since I'm gone. Thank you. You're awesome. Elizabeth, thank you so much for that. And it's a great question. And also thank you for all the detail as that really helps me understand what's going on. So to answer your questions one at a time, the first one you asked is, is there anything wrong with falling asleep with them in their room or our bed? No, there's nothing wrong with this, especially at their age. Now for babies, it's different. SIDS nowadays is most often occurring with babies who co-sleep with parents because they suffocate under an overtired parent. In other words, the biggest cause of infants dying in their sleep is by suffocation from a parent or blanket or pillow in the bed. But by the time they're three or four, this would be very unlikely. But depending on how the rest of the night goes with your expectations, it could be contributing to some issues. So when kids fall asleep with a certain arrangement and then wake up and that arrangement has changed, they tend to be confused and they wake up more fully rather than just rousing slightly and falling back to sleep. So if you fall asleep with them in their bed and then leave, that increases the chance that they are going to come looking for you when they wake up in the middle of the night. The same thing if they fall asleep in your bed and then you move them over to their own bed after they fall asleep, they are more likely to wake up in their own bed confused and become fully awake and then come back to your room. If you're okay with that, then there's nothing wrong with any of this. If you aren't and you're ready to have your bed back to yourself for the full night, then you'll want to work on having them fall asleep in their room or rooms on their own and staying in their own beds. Your next question. Is there anything wrong with them wanting to sleep with me? Given their ages, again, and that most of the danger of smothering them in their sleep has passed, no, there's not. There's nothing wrong with this. At this point, it's about personal preference. If you're okay with it and you're getting enough sleep to function and do what you need to do during the day, there's nothing wrong with this. In many other cultures, co-sleeping and room sharing is common up through toddlerhood and in some cultures up until puberty. It's really a matter of personal preference and how much they're disrupting your sleep or your relationship with your husband. The other questions you might be thinking right now is, okay, so there's nothing wrong with it. So if I decide to continue to let them sleep with us or come in in the middle of the night, how long will it be until it stops? Or will I just be pushing off the inevitable of working with them to stay in their own rooms? Now the answer to that is, it depends. Helpful, right? Basically, your child won't go off to college wanting to snuggle with you every night, but how long it would go until your child would want his or her own space at bedtime is the unknown. It could end next year. It could end in three years. It could go as late as 10 or 11 once puberty starts to set in. My oldest is nine and still would sleep with me or us if we would let him. On occasion, I do let him when my husband is out of town. So this is not uncommon at all for kids to want to stay and snuggle with their parents. It's very comforting and they love us and we love them too. We love being close to them. So if you want your bed back before them, then you would be delaying the inevitable. If you're enjoying it and don't mind it continuing until you either decide you're ready to have them on their own in their own bed or until they decide on their own, then you can just keep with what you're doing. Now your next question is a longer answer, which is how do I get them to stay in their bed? The first is putting them to sleep in their own beds and not staying until they fall asleep to avoid the problem of them waking up and being confused when things have changed and you're no longer there. If this is the route you decide to take to get them falling asleep in their own rooms and staying there all night, then you need to work to switch this habit over. There are many different ways to do this, 
there's a couple of quicker methods that can be a little rough at first with a lot more pushback. And then there are slower methods. Now, given how entrenched this habit is in your house, if you're going to do it, I suggest going with one of the slower methods, which is six to seven weeks of a slower transition. You can certainly do the shorter methods, but you would have to have your boundaries set very strongly in your mind and be ready to stick with them. If you go with a faster route, and this would take probably two to three weeks in your case, I would recommend just working on bedtime first and getting that solid before working on the middle of the night. This way, the middle of the night wakings would be fewer and further between because they're not gonna wake up confused about where am I or where's mom. And actually, regardless of if you choose a quicker or a longer transition method, I recommend starting with just bedtimes anyway, and then working on the middle of the night after they're falling asleep on their own, in their own beds consistently for about two weeks. So in this case, for the longer method, tack another two weeks on to it. So the six to seven for bedtimes, another couple of weeks for the middle of the night. Now I'll give the guidelines for one of the longer methods. If you decide you wanna know more about the two other quicker methods or the other longer method, you can see the class on toddler sleep on the website at yourvillageonline.com. It's under the health and development section. So for the slow transition method, you would let your kids know ahead of time. You would sit down and have a talk about what you will be working on, getting them to fall asleep in their own beds and staying through the night and let them know you won't be falling asleep with them from now on. You will be going into your own room to fall asleep. You would do what you've been doing. You could lay down, snuggle with them, but stay until they're sleepy, but not asleep. Wait till they're starting to fall asleep, but they're still consciously aware of what's happening. So you would get up and leave while they're still aware so that they're not gonna wake up confused. They're going to make a mental note of the fact that you left before they fell asleep. So when they wake up in the middle of the night and you're not there, it's not such a surprise. Now, so you'll get up and leave before they fall asleep and do this for several days. Next, you would stay until they're sleepy, but instead of snuggling, you might wanna do it sitting on the bed, rubbing their backs or something like that, and then leave before they fall asleep. Then you do that for about three or four days. Next, you would stay until they're relaxed, sitting on the bed, rubbing their backs, something like that, and then leaving. So they're relaxed, but they're not starting to fall asleep yet. Next, you might stay sitting on the bed. You'll have to adjust your parameters as you see what's working or what's causing a struggle and adjust it accordingly. So this is a little bit of a, it's a science to it, but there's also an art to this because every kid is different. But you just wanna be sure to move forward with each steps towards the independence, the independence of them falling asleep in their bed without you having to be there for them to fall asleep. So in other words, maybe the back rubs don't matter, but you laying down with them does. And so you might lay with them, but not give back rubs and stay until they're relaxed and sleepy, but not falling asleep. You know, you can kind of do some give and take and see how you can start to pull towards more independence as you do this. Once they're good at falling asleep on their own, in their own beds at bedtime, with a bedtime routine and getting tucked in and are doing this for about two weeks consistently, then you still wanna work on the middle of the night visits to your room. You can then start working on this piece. So having a talk beforehand and letting them know you won't be allowing them to join you in the middle of the night any longer, and you'll be taking them back to their beds, staying with them, sitting on the edge of the bed, maybe rubbing their backs until they're sleepy, but not asleep, and then backing out of that, just as you did in the bedtime steps. 
And I do go into some more details about this and some different ideas for backing away. Things like sitting next to the bed in the chair, sitting in the room, across the room as they start to fall asleep and then leaving. There's a lot of ways to kind of back this out, but you can decide what works for you. So if you wanna know more about the two quicker methods and a little bit more about this method, some pros and cons, or the other gradual method, you can see the class on toddler sleep on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Now for your last question, how do I handle them being upset when they wake and I'm gone or help my husband handle it since I am gone? The only suggestion I have for this is letting them know that when they wake up, you won't be there, that you will be getting some work done or at the gym. And depending on what your husband is okay with, whether it's snuggling up to him or they can go back to sleep or go to their own rooms, then you can only really give them a heads up and how or what he does if they don't comply is really up to him. But if this is really disrupting his sleep, it's a big issue for him, and given that he's working the third shift, you both may just wanna sit down and discuss what the best way is to make bedtimes, nighttimes, and mornings work as optimally as possible for everyone, and then work on a plan if that means making some changes. Now, it's not gonna be perfect for everyone because in a perfect world, the kids would get to sleep with you, you're happy with it, he wouldn't get interrupted, disrupted in the morning by the kids waking up and you're not there but that's not gonna work. You know, everyone getting their needs met, but that's not what's happening. So you have to go for like sort of the best possible combination to help everyone get their needs and or desires met. And of course needs will come before desire, so we need to keep that in mind. The need for your husband's sleep when he comes home may be stronger than the kids wanting to snuggle with you in the morning. I'll answer Tanya's question about what to do when you encounter young kids engaging in some type of sexual play or what we often euphemize as playing doctor, when we return after a word from our sponsor. As an adult and a mom of a son, both with ADHD, I know navigating the expectations of life with ADHD can be a challenge, but finding the right care and proper tools needed to succeed can be life-changing. With the right resources, you can turn your ADHD into your superpower. Done is an online ADHD care platform that can get you all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD. Online visits, refills, and a 24-7 care team made for you. Starting to take care of your ADHD is as easy as one, taking a one-minute free assessment to see if Done can help. Two, booking an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as today or tomorrow. Three, start receiving ongoing care, enjoy online visits, personalized treatment plan, worry-free refills, and 24-7 care. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co-pays as low as $0. Unlock your path to better focus now at Get dot donefirst.com slash podcast. Done. Turn your ADHD into your strength. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple. Make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy-to-digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, 
alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. By Heart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now that we're back from the break, I'm going to answer Tanya's question. Hello, I've recently found your podcast and have been loving your great advice. I was hoping you could help me with a situation that has been happening lately between my three-year-old daughter and my five-year-old son. When they play together, they often end up playing doctor or mommy and baby. My daughter often tries to take off my son's pants or underwear and touch his butt or penis. My son also enjoys it as he also initiates this type of play. I try not to overreact and tell them that this is their private parts and are theirs and that no one else can touch them and that if they choose to play with themselves, it's to be done in private in their rooms. But this type of play keeps happening. They even hide from us in their rooms to do these types of games. We're trying to raise our kids in a sex-positive home, but this is not how my husband and I have been raised, and it would be a lie to say the situation did not make me uncomfortable. Also, my husband and I do not have any siblings, so we do not know if these behaviors are normal and how to deal with them. I'm hoping you could help us in these situations. Thanks again. This is such a good question. Because for those of us who grew up with the shaming attitudes about our sexuality and really who didn't, right? And as a whole, or generally speaking, society really struggles with this whole aspect of our human nature, the sexual side of our human nature. So it's really natural for us to get uncomfortable with this. I think almost all parents are going to get uncomfortable with this. But when we do get uncomfortable about something, it tends to come through in our interactions and our tone of voice. Now, I know I said something to my oldest son once that made him feel uncomfortable about his sexuality. You know, boys tend to play with themselves a lot. And I think it came across in my tone that I was reminding him for the third time while I was reading to him at bedtime and I just had enough. I told him to focus on the story or I'd be done reading. But I did it in such a way that apparently made him feel bad about it. And I felt bad that I made him feel bad about it. And I did apologize and explain that I don't want him to feel bad about his sexuality. But I just wanted him to understand that there's a time and a place. So even as much work as I've done to try to overcome my own attitudes and upbringing and shame around this, I still have work to do. And it still seeps through. So just expect it and don't feel bad about it and keep working on that. But let's talk about this what's normal in kids' behavior with sexuality at this age. What we do know is that preschoolers are naturally curious about the differences between boys and girls and genitalia. They feel more separate and independent than before, than they were as very young toddlers as infants, and they are in the process of exploring and figuring out their identity. Part of this investigation is understanding the anatomical differences between boys and girls. Now, nursery school teachers can tell you they are quite familiar with coming upon two four-year-olds underneath the slide with their pants down, exploring each other. So first, it's really good to know that this is very normal part of child development, especially around the ages of four and five. 
When it comes to kids, children exploring sexually is different than adults. For kids, it's about just another thing that feels good, like a hug from a parent or a back rub. Sexual pleasure and loving one's body are positive feelings for kids and lead to healthy adult relationships. So it is important for us as parents to really try to work to not show our discomfort and to foster the positive messages around sex and sexuality, but also by laying boundaries and guidelines. So when we react to our kids at these moments, we wanna set limits, but at the same time convey to them that their curiosity about sex is natural and normal. Therefore, we must choose our words and actions carefully to avoid embarrassing or shaming our kids and establishing any negative associations. So here are some guidelines for handling young children in these situations. First, stay calm. Remind yourself that you're witnessing children's normal development in progress. End the activity in a positive way. You, for instance, could say something like, okay, it's time to get dressed. Not yelling or treating them in a punitive way, but just let them know this type of play is over. We're gonna get dressed and do something else now. You can acknowledge their curiosity while setting the limit. You could say, it's okay to be curious about each other's bodies, and I know it feels good, but we don't touch each other's private parts. Now, like with anything else, when it comes to getting kids to listen or follow certain instructions and directions, it's going to probably happen many times. It's not gonna work the first time. So that's another thing is just expect that you're gonna run into this multiple times before this kind of message is going to sink in. So support your child's interest and curiosity. You can say, I have a special book that we can look at together and we can talk about any questions you have. And there are many children's books on this topic. So you wanna choose one that makes you feel comfortable. Just as a couple examples, there's one called Who Has What? All about girls' bodies and boys' bodies. Another one called It's Not the Stork, a book about girls, boys, babies, bodies, families, and friends. Now, another important topic that really goes right along with this is consent. And this is a perfect opportunity to bring this into the conversation. Consent isn't just about sexual consent. It's about consent to being touched in any manner. And I have a few tips for teaching kids ages one to five about consent, as well as a couple of books I'll recommend. For the ways to teach consent, number one, teach children to ask permission before touching or embracing a playmate. So you might wanna say something like, hey Allie, let's ask Brayden if he would like a hug goodbye. Now, if Brayden says no, he doesn't wanna hug, that's perfectly okay. You wanna teach her that that's his body, that he's allowed to say no and say, okay, that's great. Let's just wave goodbye then. Secondly, and I've discussed this many times before, teach your kids that no and stop are important words and need to be honored. I often talk about how this is an ongoing dialogue in our home. We still have to bring it up several times a week. The kids are seven, seven and nine. They've been hearing this since the youngest were three and four and could say no and stop. I'll hear one of my kids saying stop several times in a row. And as soon as I hear it a second time and especially a third time, I'm jumping in there and I'm a little irritated because, because this is important stuff. Stop means stop. No means no. Whatever it is, trying to see a book another child is looking at, wrestling, whatever it is. So I get harsh when I hear one of my children not honoring a no or a stop from another, especially because they've heard this for, oh my gosh, the last three to four years we've been talking about this. So they need to know this. I also work with the one saying no or stop to be very specific. And not that that makes the not stopping okay. I mean, 
blowing over somebody's boundaries when they're saying stop, even if they're not being specific, it's not okay. But I am trying to teach them how to be very empowered in their no. So I'm empowering the child that's saying stop even more. I coach them to say something like, I'm looking at the book right now. Stop trying to grab it from me. And third, never force a child to hug, touch, or kiss anyone if he or she doesn't want to. It sends the wrong message. I don't care if it's grandma that she hasn't seen in a year. We don't want to send the message that my body isn't my own. Or there are exceptions to when I can say no and when I can't. We don't want to be sending these messages. If it's a trusted adult, I don't get to say no. It leaves room for confusion for another trusted adult to break other boundaries and for the child to not really know if that's one of those exceptions or not. So teach your kids that no one ever has the right to touch them in any way they don't want to be touched, period. And then lastly, allow children to talk about their body in any way they want without shame. Teach them the correct words for their genitals, vagina and penis, and make yourself a safe place for talking about bodies and sex. Let them know you're okay to talk about whatever questions they have. You can respond with something like, I'm so glad you asked me that. If you don't know the answer to their question, then just simply say, I'm glad you're asking me about this, but I wanna look into it. Let's talk about it after dinner. Then be sure to follow up with them rather than just sweep it under the rug and hope it goes away because you don't wanna talk about it. If your first instinct is to shush them or act ashamed, then practice having the conversation with a partner, whether it's a friend or your life partner, your husband, your wife. Practice talking about sex, sexuality, different topics, answers to the questions that your children may be asking. For a few books about consent to read with your toddler or early elementary kids, the first is No Means No, and then the other one is My Body, I Say What Goes, and both of those are by Janine Sanders. No means no, and My Body, I Say What Goes. Another guideline for minimizing opportunity when it comes to kids playing doctor is to establish a rule that when your children play together, whether it's a friend or a sibling, the door to the room must be kept open. Children can be easily overwhelmed by their impulses, so with the door closed, it just creates more opportunity. But if you have them keep the door open, they're less likely to act out when there's closer supervision. With explanations and your gentle support and boundaries, your young children will feel your acceptance of the curiosity, but will also learn appropriate ways to handle the interest and will leave the situation with the self-esteem intact. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.